0: Today on The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young.
1: Life can't separate us. He lists all these things that separate us. And the bottom line is because we're in God's family, that God is for us. Who can be against us? What can separate us? Then Paul says, because we're in Christ, he said, we are more than conquerors. I am convinced, he said, we're more than conquerors through him.
0: The truth is, in Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. Welcome to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Today, Dr. Young begins his message, More Than Conquerors, about the kind of confidence every Christian should have. That message begins in a moment. Now, here's Dr. Ed Young with today's message, More Than Conquerors.
1: How do you get to know God? If I would tell you I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, would that be maybe? I hope so. Emotional experience, a desire? Oh, when you and I say that as Christians it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, how do we know that's true? How do we know it's real? How do we know it's valid? How do we know it's forever? We've been studying Romans chapter number 8 for 12 weeks. Most biblical theologians and scholars who love the Word of God would tell you that in all probability, it is the greatest chapter in all the Bible. It's the GOAT, uh, the greatest of all time. Therefore, we've gone through it word by word, phrase by phrase for these 12 weeks, and now we come to the end of that study And it's been my prayer, and I hope the prayers of many, that as we have walked through that word, it has caught fire in your life and in my life, and therefore now we have built in us a reservoir of truth that will take us all the way through life so we can know, as Paul has taught us, that you and I are in the family of God. No matter what, no matter how, we know that we know that we are in God's family. We are his children. Romans chapter seven, Paul ends up in a bad place. He says, I feel like my body is dead. I'm lifeless. I have no purpose, I'm bored, I'm cold. And he said, the reason is that I've got things upside down. My priorities are wrong. That's the end of Romans 7. But then Paul says, who in the world will deliver me from this depression, from this emptiness, from this despair, from this frustration? And he just almost shouts out in the scripture, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord." And then he writes Romans chapter 8, and he says, "'There is no condemnation, no judgment for those who are in Christ.'" And as you read the epistles of Paul, that's the theme of every one of them, a man, a woman, a teenager, a boy, a girl, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ and he talks about what it means to be in Christ, and in this Romans chapter eight, it is the message of the Bible that tells us that we are secure, we are safe throughout eternity in our relationship with God. It is a-okay all the way through life and all the way through eternity to do this, he mentions the Holy Spirit 17 times. 17 times. And he explains rather clearly that when you and I enter that relationship with Christ, the Trinity is involved God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is God without skin, God the Son is God with skin. God, the Holy Spirit, is God inside of skin. Therefore, when we are convicted of sin, repent of sin, receive Jesus Christ, it is the Holy Spirit in us that is Christ in us. So, it's a clear teaching of the work of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity It's just all the way through this 8th chapter. Then he comes to that climactic moment that we dealt with recently, and that is Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. By the way, I hope you have your Bibles with you. Didn't bring them? There's one in the pew disguised as a hymnal. Get that out, turn to the book of Romans. Man, your wives will help you find it. And go there to the 8th chapter, and you'll see a pivotal verse. Paul has already said, when you're in Christ, you have a a mind set not on flesh, but a mind set on the Spirit, and it changes everything. Then to that 14th verse, he said, those who are led by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God, are children of God. That is the line in the sand. That is the watershed. If you're on this side, you're led by the Spirit, if you're on the other side, you're not led by the Spirit. And that is the standard, the criteria, as to whether or not we have that relationship with Christ. Then he goes on and elaborates what we have as Christians. And I love that 26th, 27th verse. It says, when we don't know how to pray, do you, you like that sometimes, I don't know exactly how to pray and what to say and what to do, and I." It says that the Holy Spirit comes, remember that long, old Greek word, it means the Holy Spirit comes over where you are and comes over where I am and takes hold of you and takes hold of me, and when we pray, though we don't know exactly how to pray, the Holy Spirit takes that prayer, interprets it, and it goes to Jesus, who's at the right hand of God, making intercession for us, and he interprets our mumbling kind of prayer to our Heavenly Father. And remember a basic principle there. The Holy Spirit, when we pray through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit prays a prayer for you and for me if we knew what God knows. That's His will. If we knew that, what God knows, we would know how to pray. Verse 26, verse 27. Then that great 28th verse, we just sat down on it for a long time. We know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and those who are the called according to His purpose. And that comforts up no end, doesn't it? Whatever's going on, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, We know that somehow God in his divine economy through the Holy Spirit is working everything out for our good as far as God sees our good, and God knows your good and my good more, more than we know it, right? We got that. And we're seeking for his purpose, for his unique will for your life and for my life. God wants to get a message through everybody here, every single one of us, And the message he would get through your life is different from the message in my life or anybody else's life. And if he does not get that message through your life, there will be a hole in creation. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and those who are the called. We answered his call. called to his purpose. And then we move on to the 31st verse of Romans 8. Now, it's very interesting to me that Romans 8 verse 1 all the way through verse 30, the Holy Spirit is mentioned all the time. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, the work, the function, the priority, the leadership, the blessings. But you come to verse 31 all the way through the end of the chapter, verse 39. The Holy Spirit is not even mentioned one time. Isn't that something? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, and then you come to the climactic end, verse 31 to 39, Holy Spirit is not even mentioned. What's going on? All the other verses Paul is teaching us and telling us what we have when we've received Christ and the Holy Spirit is operating in our life, then he tells us the results how that is working out in your life and my life and what we have because we have Christ and the Holy Spirit is operating in life. He tells us what that means and we dealt with that. And he has that little verse there which he says, what can I say to all these things? Verse 31, you know, in light of all that he has taught us, Paul said, well, what can I say? And he has that powerful verse that every wise person here will claim and sit down on for the rest of your life since God is for us. Is that terrific? We're on God's team. We're in God's family. God is for everybody here. I don't know anything, anybody, any being that I'd rather have on my team or I'd rather be on his team than Almighty God, right? God is for us. And then that question, and the choir has answered it, the choir's answer, if they have forgotten, I doubt they have, nobody. Then he asks, since God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. And that's absolutely true. And Paul says, nobody can charge us. Jesus got that covered. Nobody can condemn us. He took our condemnation by himself, that's the cross. And therefore, if God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. And then he goes on. And he talks about separation. And then he says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? And then i let the balcony answer that. And the answer is nothing. They remembered. <laughs> Who can separate the love of Christ? Nothing. What can separate us? No. good. Isn't it good we have the choir in the Bible, and he's preaching to all of us today? And then Paul mentioned some separators. What are some things that separate you, separate me from him, separate us? Look at Romans, if you would, open your Bibles. I've given you an overview of where we've been and where we're going. And so let's look at some of these separators now. There's a list there. Who will separate us? From the love of Christ. And he names all these things tribulation, we talked about that. That's pressure. Uh, distress, that's when we're in a narrow place. Persecution, it costs us something to stand for Christ. Famine, may not just be hunger, but it's we're missing something in life. Nakedness, we're totally exposed and vulnerable. Peril and sword would be perhaps the judicial system speaking out against us as a sword of of justice. So all of these things are separators, right? By separating me, does Christ really love me? Man, look, look, uh, you know, I'm under peril. I'm persecuted. Does Christ. So these are things that tend to separate us. But another thing that all this incorporates is when you and I fumble and fail and strike out, make an error, mess up, and we have the idea that, man, I'm separate. Christ just can't love me. I'm put to one side, I'm put on probation, I'm thrown out. I've been disenfranchised, I'm embarrassed. Isn't it interesting? The church, the church. We in the church are to be in the business of healing, bring about reconciliation, reaching out to those who are broken? Or is a church primarily a place for saints? that's the New Testament word for Christians, to sort of huddle up together and we're clean and we smell good and we like the music, the fellowship, the good feelings and I just feel better when I went to church today. You know, is that who we are or are we a hospital for the least, the last, the lost, those who are broken, those who are disturbed, those who are in big trouble. You know, we, we come to church to serve and we come to church to be served, but is the church the place where we can really go when our life is bottomed out? Fred Smith is an executive, a businessman in Dallas. He's written a modern-day parable And the parable goes like this, the title is, don't take me to the hospital, please. Don't take me to the hospital, please. And he writes these words. There's a man crossing the street, a car hits him, he's knocked down, he's seriously injured and the car speeds off. He's been hit and run over and he's bleeding People go out and say, can I help you? And he says, don't take me to the hospital, please. They say, what are you talking about? You're seriously injured. You don't know if you're gonna make it. There's blood, you're you're in pain. He said, please, don't take me to the hospital. And they said, why? He said, you see, I'm on the staff at the hospital. And he says, they've never seen me except I'm clean and neat and nice and said, if I went to the hospital now, it would be an embarrassment to me uh, that here I am broken and dirty and don't take me to the hospital, please. Uh, they, they, They won't understand. And they said, look, we're gonna call an ambulance. No, no, please don't call an ambulance. Don't take me to the hospital, please, because there's another factor here. He said, on the staff of the hospital, I have lectured All the team there, many, many times I have lectured them and I have told them over and over again how to be a responsible pedestrian. He said, I've reminded them you never jaywalk. He said, that's what I did when I was hit by that car that ran off. He said, I reminded them that always in an accident, you gotta see what the car was and you gotta get license number. He said, I don't know what kind of car hit me and I certainly didn't see the license number. He said, I'm embarrassed. I have taught all the staff not to do what I just did and I was run over by a car. He said, boy, don't take me to the hospital, please. And they said, well, we'll call an ambulance. He said, no, it's worse than that. He said, you see, I, I, I'm a part of that hospital and I know those who admit people in the hospital. And if I go up there to be admitted, and they won't recognize me in this mess. And he said, I don't have my medical insurance card with me. He said, they won't take me in because they realize the liability and the is responsible if they take anybody in. He Said, please don't take me to the hospital. So he just crawled out of the road and went over in the gutter bleeding. Now, in the parable, we don't know whether he bled to death or he somehow got the bleeding stopped. That's the end of the story. See, that's a strange story. This week, I asked different people, if you were called and hit and run over by a very shameful sin that people knew about. Would you go to the church in the morning on Sunday? These are Christian people. Every one of them said, oh, no, I wouldn't go to church. Man, if everybody knew and I did some despicable, heinous, shameful, he said, I wouldn't go to church. I'd be ashamed to go to church. But the same person, they go to pool hall and people understand there, wouldn't they? Go to a bar, yeah, it'd be people that understand. Go to some who are living under a bridge, yeah, yeah, they'd understand somebody been hit and run over by a shameful sin or addiction or a problem. They'd understand that. But to go to church, where all those beautiful people are, clean, well dressed. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to realize that the body of Christ needs to be a place where we take those who are hit and run over by life or by sin, and we welcome them, we do not condemn them, we love them, we may not condone what they have done, but this needs a place for healing. That is the body of Christ. But sometimes we get broken. We get run over by sin, hit and run. The church is the last place we need to go. If that happened to you and me, I hope we'd say, take me to the church, please. Take me to the church, please. There are folks up there who will love me and accept me and pray for me and put their arms around me, no matter what, take me to the church. In the early church, They looked at those Christians and they said one thing, look how they love one another. That's what we are to become. And don't let, we're up and out empty, down and out empty, up and out sick, confused, down and out sick and confused. It doesn't make any difference to God in Christ The church is to be the place where there is healing and there's love, there's anointing, and there's new life in Jesus Christ. What can separate us? The love of Christ. And then Paul takes it another notch. Now he moves in the supernatural area of this business of separation. Look at it in your Bibles. Just as it's written for your sake, We are being put to death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Sounds right, doesn't it? Go through some of this. We're being slaughtered like sheep. You know about sheep? ever seen a group of trained sheep? No. What's this sheep? Blake? No. What's this sheep? Run up there and run right back? No. Sheep are generally dirty, smelly, helpless, dumb animals. Check me out on it. The Bible says, guess what? (laughs) We're like sheep. (laughs) It's It's like we're being given to be slaughtered day after day because we step out of the line. We get hit and run over by so many things. But then Paul says, because we're in Christ, he said, we are more than conquerors. I am convinced, he said, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Big, isn't it? And then he goes on and lists other things that separated. Remember, we're talking about being separated for the love of God, love of Christ. Then he lists other things, and he moves into the supernatural here. In case I forgot anything else, this list of seven, he now gives us a list of 10. He said, I'm convinced. By the way, he said, we are more than conquerors. Then he gives his own personal testimony. He changes his tense. He said, verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Man, that's 10 things that separate us, and it's almost in the supernatural area. The principalities, the powers, the demonic element. Let me tell you something. You talk about insidiousness of the devil By the way, the word Biablos is a word for the devil, and it means the separator. The devil is that which separates us. He's a separator. And here we see these supernatural things that are separate, and the first on the list, I'll just touch on them, is death, D-E-A-T-H, death. You say, death is a great separator, isn't it? We quit living on this earth, we're dead, we're buried, we're separated, everybody, everything. Isn't it the ultimate separator, we think? Paul says, not so if you're in Christ Jesus. Death is not the separator, death is the ultimate uniter. Death is not a separator, it's a uniter, because we'll be all united in him, Christ heaven forever and forever, and this little three score or 10 or whatever we live, it is is not anything compared to eternity. So death is not a separator, it's a uniter, because we're in Christ. Life can't separate us. He lists all these things that separate us, and the bottom line is because we're in God's family, that God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. What can separate us? Nothing. And all these separators, all these bodies that would separate us, they are non-functional because we are in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what Paul is telling us in this fabulous 8th chapter, fabulous 8th chapter. no separation from the love of Christ. Some years ago, I was shaking hands at the door of a church. A young woman came out. She said, could I speak with you for a minute? And I said, sure, You know, sit down over here, and when I get through shaking hands, I'll visit. So she did, and I shook the hands, talked to people. Everybody was clearing out, and I, Sat down there, called from her, I said, how may I help you? And she told me her name. She said, I'm from a Christian family, mom and dad, two brothers, we love God, went to church, prayed together. Said I was brought up a Christian, read my Bible every night. She said, I just love God, love Christ. And I went to the university And she said at the university, I met when I was a freshman, this young man. Man, this fellow student said he was just everything I was looking for. We just hit it off beautifully and said, the chemistry was strong and it got stronger and stronger until finally we decided that, you know, one afternoon we got out of class, we'd meet in a motel and said we did. Went to bed together. She said, about a month later, I was pregnant. Nobody knew it. I went and had an abortion. And she said, that was my freshman year. She said, my sophomore year, I I became more and more promiscuous. And once again, I got pregnant and, and had an abortion. She said, now I'm beginning my junior year. And she said, I'm just so lost and confused and in pain and broken. She said, I I can't find God. I said, you can't find God? She said, no, ever since I met that guy in the motel. She said, I can't find God. And I did something that I learned from a Dr. Siemens years ago and I said, I want you to do something for me. And I, I took out my Bible. I turned to Psalm 139. I said, I, I turned around to her, and I said, I want you to read beginning with verse 7 with me out loud. And she said, certainly, and she read, where can I go from your spirit? Oh, where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven you're there, if, she said, I make my bed in, and she stopped, she said, if I make my bed in, and I took it back and I said, let me read it for you. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. And I asked her, do you know who you met? in that motel. She said, do you mean the boy? I said, no, God was there. And I said, your problem is not that you can't find God, it's that you can't get away from God because you're a Christian. At last report, He's married, great guy, Christian home, three children, and just walking with the Lord, Jesus Christ.
0: You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Well, before we leave you today, Dr. Young is here to answer a couple of questions coming out of the message we've just heard. Dr. Young, your message today was clear. Nothing can separate us from God. So what do you say to the person who feels like God is distant?
1: God is distant so many times because we do not welcome Him. We're not looking for Him. The truth is, He is distant. And we say, God is far away. He's never far away. God is always omnipresent. This means He's always with us and around us. And you can't run from God. People all the way through the Bible... People that you know are running from God, running from God, trying to get away from God, and the bottom line, you can't do it. He's always there. And the truth is, as we run from God, we always, if we have our eyes and hearts open, we run right into God. We bottom out in a crisis. We're confused in this situation. We lose our job. We lose our relationships. Brokenness comes And all of the pain in life is something, a moment for God to do business in our life in a new and a fresh way. People said, you know, I I just lost my brother. And man, he was so young. I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. But every crisis, every crisis, every SOS, every pain, every sorrow, God is trying to do something, say something to you and to me, We don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. You back up and say, what did I learn from that? When my granddaughter, my first granddaughter, in the peak of her life, in her 30s, suddenly she wasn't with us. She died. Man, what are you saying to me, Lord? What are you trying to impart to me? As painful as that is, if we're in Christ, we know that when we leave this world, it's the worst thing in the world. It is a time of graduation, but while we're here, it's the worst thing in this world we do not realize He has a purpose for every life. If you realize that Christ is working in you and in me through His Holy Spirit, and He has a purpose there, that changes everything. You can't run from God, folks. You always run into Him, and when you do, just take time and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? If you're not a Christian, that's the time to receive Christ. If you are a Christian, wake up and begin to live it out. And He has a plan for you no matter your age, your health, your category, your education. It makes no difference. He has a plan to a for you right there, right now. He's prepared you for this moment. Don't miss it.
0: Thank you, Dr. Young. You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. And we hope today's message has encouraged you to build your life on the proven truth of God's Word. Your prayers and financial support allow us to bring proven truth to listeners around the world. Connect with us at winningwalk.org. That's winningwalk.org.